audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We are looking at the topic of harvest time in Samaria. We're in John chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 31 to 42. And in John chapter 4, it's the story of the woman at the well and Jesus' discourse or teaching about living water. It is one of the grand stories, not just of the Gospels, but of the Bible itself. And remember, our goal is to help you not only learn God's Word, but to put it into practice. It is the most future-ready thing you can do. Because when you hear and do the words of Jesus, the Lord makes a solemn promise that you are a wise person and you're building your life on the rock. And when you're on the rock, you can withstand all the winds, waves, and floods. In other words, you can counter the storms of life. This is a wonderful, how should we say, early warning service for us all. So we're looking at the topic of harvest time in Samaria from John chapter 4, verses 31 to 42. And I want to read to you just a couple of verses or so here in this portion, starting with verse 34, actually verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months And then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. I'll stop right here. What we're learning is that harvest is not just down the track. Harvest is is right now. Remember the context here. Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. She was convicted of her sins. She now has the fire of God in her heart because of the words of life spoken from Jesus. She's going back into her city to basically evangelize. And they come out to meet Jesus. And what we see is that they believe him. Now, it's ironic. It's Samaritans that are getting revived in God. It's Samaritans that are coming and receiving the words of life. Samaritans and Jews, according to John chapter 4, had no dealings with each other. Jesus came to his own people. Many of them received him, but much more did not. But he comes to these people, the Samaritans, who are strangers, foreigners, and they are rejected by Jesus' own people. But they received Jesus as he first received them. They were part of the great harvest. And so he's saying, don't wait until another period down the track. Harvest is now. The fields are white already. And our problem is not having an abundant harvest. Our challenge is having enough laborers to bring in the fruit. Because he then goes on to talk about that there are those who reap the harvest. They didn't sow it. They're reaping it, and they receive blessing. In addition, the harvest is so wonderful that everybody is going to rejoice, including those that sowed. Now, those that sowed the harvest may have been in yesteryear. could have been John the Baptist, who was, of course, 
of recent memory, but also people in the Old Testament period. There will be a resurrection, and in that resurrection, everybody is going to rejoice who has done the right thing and served God. So what we're going to see in this particular lesson, Harvest Time in Samaria, is Jesus is saying that doing God's will is more like food to him than even eating natural food. He's going to speak about the harvest, the benefits of laboring in the harvest, the principles of sowing and reaping, as well as a reaper's reward. We're going to hear about the testimony of the woman and that the Samaritans beg Jesus, please stay with us. He does so for another two days. And after all that, they are convinced that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now I want to read to you the complete portion from John 4, verses 31 to 42. Our lesson is called Harvest Time in Samaria. Again, the reference is John chapter 4, verses 31 to 42. Let's listen carefully, because this is God's word. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Our reference is John chapter 4, verses 31 to 42. And our lesson for life is harvest time in Samaria. Well, first of all, friends, it's time to eat. Jesus has had a long journey from Jerusalem to the vicinity of Shechem, where Jacob's well is located. He's tired, he's hot, he's probably hungry, and that's why his disciples went into Sychar, the village, in order to get food. He ends up talking to the woman who came to the well, and now the disciples have returned. And they're saying, it's, it's lunchtime, come and dine. However, He's getting a very, very, how should I say, warm welcome to eat, but he gives a very unexpected response. In verse 33, he tells the disciples that he has meat that they know not of. Actually, that's verse 32, excuse me. Verse 32 and 33. I have meat that you know not of, 
And the disciples are saying, well, who brought him food? In fact, they are really startled. Did this woman bring him food that just left the well? Or does he have a secret stash of food that we know nothing about? Basically, as often is the case with all of us when we're confronted with spiritual words and reality, our natural reasoning can go berserk. What's happening here? I mean, they seem to almost be beside themselves. And in verse 34 of John 4, Jesus solves the mystery. No, he hasn't been secretly munching while they were in the village. He speaks plainly. His food, his meat, is to do God's will and to finish his work. Not only God's word is likened to food. After all, remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not only is God's word food, but God's will is food too. Basically, to obey God's will and God's word, which are one and the same, is more satisfying than feasting at any banquet. I know it's hard to believe for those that really love food, but it's true. Jesus always tells the truth. And now we come to that majestic verse, John four thirty-five: Harvest time is now. Don't fool yourself into thinking that the harvest is still in the future. Listen carefully. Lift up your eyes. Look on the field, because they are white and ready for harvest. Here, friends, is an important point. In these last days, where there is complexity, confusion, and increasing deception, we need the God-given gift of discernment. Discernment is crucial for last days living and listening to Jesus and obeying his word will give you that needed discernment. In this case, Jesus rightly discerned that the harvest time is now. And no doubt, the reason he could say that is because of what I call the brewing Samaritan revival. The fact that the woman got revived, she's fired up for God, she's now gone into the village, and she's fired them up as well. They have now are about to come to him or have come to him, and they're hearing the words of life, and they're getting even more fired up. This is all indicative of harvest time. Wherever you find people turning to God in mass, particularly God's people returning to him and then firing up, trading in their apathy, trading in their worldliness, trading in their double-mindedness, trading in their distractions, their weights, and the sin that easily besets, and being hands-free, having let go of everything else to take hold of Jesus and that for which Jesus has taken hold of them. Philippians chapter 3. When you see that happen, it's revival, and it is wonderful and contagious. So when that is observed, harvest is now. And I dare say, harvest has never stopped during the whole of the church age. Yes, there's some periods were more revived and fiery than others, but essentially, the fields are white, and we need to get as many laborers into them as is possible. We now go to John chapter 4, verse 36. Benefits of laboring in the harvest. Those who labor in the harvest field will receive a reward. 
That's the first part of the good news. Second part of the good news is whatever labor they do for God is going to have eternal value. It's like the old phrase, one life soon to pass, only that which is done for Christ will last. Everything else is sinking sand and, as it were, straw burnt in the fire. What's the point of building a personal empire only to see it crumble like dust when it's all said and done? We need to have eternity in mind. And when eternity is in mind, it alters everything in the temporal life. Our value system, our priorities, our focus, all change, lining up with God rather than with the flesh. So the harvest field is ready, laboring in that field lasts for eternity, and all workers in the harvest will rejoice one with another. Thus, laboring in the harvest field is food for eternity. Wonderful, glorious, and the like. But then we go on to verse 37 of John 4. It's called sowing and reaping. While one person sows, the other reaps. This is also repeated in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 to 8. Sowing and reaping is not a one-man band. It is a team effort. After all, you can't sow and reap at the same time, but also you cannot do it alone. That's why it is the homework assignment of the church, otherwise known as the Great Commission. As somebody aptly put it, if you don't do the Great Commission, you're guilty of a great omission. The Reaper's Reward of John chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus goes even further beyond the principle of sowing and reaping. And remember, friends, when you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. When you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly. It's not just a very simple principle. It's a profound spiritual truth. And I see some people doing precisely one or the other. They are parsimonious, they are lazy, they are just unmotivated, they just do little or nothing for kingdom work, and others are absolutely putting their nose to the grindstone and plowing away and well, as well as reaping away. The rewards will be great. But please remember to have some balanced living and have your day off. So, Jesus goes further. The disciples enter into a harvest field where they bestowed no earlier labor. Now, this could be a reference to John the Baptist and all that came before them. Yet, because of the work of the ancients, the disciples of Jesus are now reaping the reward. They have entered into the labors of the others, and the team effort across the centuries is now paying rich dividends. Remember the woman at the well? She is rather remarkable. John four thirty nine. Though she may have been of ill repute, she is certainly a person of influence. Obviously, great influence. And I would dare say possibly the reason she was so influential at persuading her friends and neighbors to come to Jesus is because God lit a fire in her 
and the passion she showed would light a fire in the hearts of those who heard her. It actually says in this verse, John 4:39, many believed in Christ simply from the testimony that she gave alone. Her testimony, remember, is he told me everything I ever did. However, it goes further. Verse 40, the people of Sychar, of Samaria, were so excited to meet this kosher Jew, this man from Galilee, this Jesus of Nazareth, even though they had a general antipathy towards Jewish people, they overlooked all of that because of the love, the grace, and power found in Messiah. They asked him, indeed virtually begged him, to remain with them. So Jesus and the disciples made the decision to stay in Samaria an extra two days. And that was time well spent. It's called the fruit of tarrying or waiting. John 4:41. As a result of Jesus' sojourn, many more people believed because of his word. And then they said to the woman at the well, or the woman from the well, John 4:42. Jesus' visit to Samaria brought much fruit. It wasn't even a planned ministry visit, but it was indeed a divine appointment. Many told the woman that it was not her testimony alone that caused them to believe. They believed because they heard Christ for themselves. They know with certainty that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, Savior of the world. What a powerful confession. And the irony is that while the Samaritans, who were rejected by the Jews, believed in Jesus, many of Jesus' own Jewish people had not yet accepted him. As we're going to learn in verse 44, it reiterates that same point. Now our lesson is called Harvest Time in Samaria. And our lesson for life is this. Like the Jews and the Samaritans of old, those who are least likely in the flesh end up becoming the most favored in God by the Spirit. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.